This podcast is supported by Morgan Stanley. What do you get from the Morgan Stanley client experience? Listening more than talking and a personalized plan to guide you through a changing world. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Right now, Blinkist has a special office just for our audiences. Go to Blinkist.com slash pen to start your seven-day free trial and get 25% off of a Blinkist premium membership. Now, you guys know what Blinkist is. Oh, yeah. We'll, t- we'll tell them more during the show. But if you practice something or you drive somewhere, you want Blinkist. It's condensed versions of books that you want to listen to. Really good. Okay, hit it. We go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn's Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Goudeau, Penn, Matt Reddy, Rich, and I are broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South in Las Vegas. This week, Penn did his first road show in two years. There are two big magic auctions going on, and Penn's got nothing. Also, Goudeau's neighborhood e-bulletin board is a familiar mess. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Yeah, we're preaching love, preaching love, preaching love. You know, we went um, back on the road to Dallas. 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 And uh, man, it was it, it was weird. You know, Teller had not been on an airplane in two years. Wow. You know, Teller was like, you know, your dad going on an airplane. Oh, what, what are we doing here now? So he asked for the window <laughs> seat then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he... Uh, he was really uh, discombobulated going through the uh, doing the airport. He was like going, "Oh, where's my ticket? Oh, it's on my phone." He was just like <laughs> he went back like forty years. He's like, know? "Man, the Starbucks is expensive." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> coffee, I can make coffee at home. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, and then you know we're on the plane. You have to wear a mask, as you know. Yeah, the whole time on the plane, and I, I have a little tiny bit of claustrophobia on the plane anyway. Mm-hmm. And you add the mask to it, and it's kind of unpleasant. Yeah. And I don't wear my hearing aids because it goes around my ears, the mask. So I'm you know, I'm deaf, and I get headphones on and a mask, and I'm in a little plane. And I'm about, you know, uh, not close, but about 23 minutes from cracking yeah. at every moment on the, on the plane flight. You know, <laughs> I'm right about that close to screaming and just attacking people. Right. But I just stay at like, you know, T minus 23 minutes. And, uh, uh, DEFCON level three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. DEFCON level three is exactly where I am for like the whole flight. And Teller's like, you know, uh, dealing with, oh, yeah, I remember this. But, um, a tray right here yeah, folded yeah. into the front of the chair <laughs> yeah, in front of me. It was a, hidden. They have, they have food here. <laughs> Magic tray. We got the trays in our show. So, uh, uh, then we got to Dallas. You know, we've been playing. Our, our theater's 1,450 seats. Yeah. Wait a minute, Pat. Isn't that bigger than twice the size of Copperfield? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> That's why he does twice as many shows as you. Yeah, three times as many three shows. Three times as many. Because he doesn't fill them up. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we uh, we have 1,400 seats. But we're, we've been doing about 800, you know, yeah. seven 800. But this was 3,000 seats, Whoa. you know. And uh, I wouldn't filled up, but it was it was close. It was three times what we've been doing, so um, uh, it was big, yeah, big. And we're doing, of course, because we're out of our fucking minds. We're doing new material, 
<laughs> and we also found out, uh, I want to know that Kurt Geyer works for us. You know Kurt. Yeah. Kurt. Now his hair's dyed bright red. Looks nice. Uh, Kurt, uh, we had to weigh our truck. We had to weigh our truck. And uh, so we had to get the truck all loaded mm-hmm. and then drove our new truck driver. New, we got a new guy who drove the truck over to the weigh station. But Kurt wanted to make sure that everything was done right. So Kurt rode over in the truck with him and then didn't get out when the truck was waiting. <laughs> so we had to take um, like 800 pounds off the truck. But then halfway through, we figured, wait a minute, we probably only have to take like 650 off the truck because <laughs> Kurt won't be riding in the truck for the whole way. Kurt, you're an idiot. Just want to get that message out. Um <laughs> So we had to take chipper shredder off the truck because it was too heavy. <laughs> and we had to take the big fancy ampersand we have in the back of the yeah, yeah. had to take that off the truck because it was too heavy. So that changed the tone of the show because we're doing 90 minutes. And because of the weight of the truck, we decided that the first 70 minutes of the 80-minute show would be me doing a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> Bottle juggling for 80 minutes. <laughs> well, we're damn close to that. And I want to tell you, we did we did broken bottle juggling, which I have not done yeah. in two years. And um, broken bottle juggling, as you know, is, uh, is not much juggling, but the juggling is, in its way, very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult juggling. But before that, I do torches, and I do intact liquor bottles, right? There's actually mm-hmm. three separate juggling tricks in a... 13 minute bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, up to about 20 seconds of juggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what was interesting was until the last four throws of the broken bottle juggling, I was never in control for a moment of the juggling. <laughs> you know how you, how you, I know. There's that Trust moment. <laughs> there's that moment of w- w- the old days with the vinyl record where it goes that it just settles into the groove. And there's a moment where it skids on the top of there. Right. And you don't know which way it's going to go. It could go to either side of the groove. You get like another, well, 33 and a third revolutions per minute. You get like another uh, two seconds of music if it falls in the wrong groove, right? You don't know where it's going to go. And when you're juggling or doing anything you know really well, even playing a musical instrument, the first couple of throws, you might be right on the edge of that groove. Then it goes, falls in. Then you know what you're doing. <laughs> so the last so I did Robbie was backstage he's got a broom because if I drop them they shatter and we go into uh, shall we say plan B but it really is kind of plan D or C D or E because it's it's. I forgot the door to the alphabet you notice that yep. I tried to cover it up but I did forget <laughs> I said D or C okay so um, he's back there going okay, okay he's got the local crew people and he's going the, the woman that's working with the local crew he goes okay ready to go he's gonna he's oh, he didn't miss he's, he, okay get ready yeah he's did okay uh he's holding uh, uh go no don't he's still uh, uh, i don't know how he did that because <laughs> <laughs> you know robbie knows my juggling very well right he also knows circus very well so he knew when a fellow's about to miss yeah so robbie was calling it every single throw He's not gonna. He's not gonna. And the crew's backstage is going. Oh, he has it. Oh, he's nope. 
He's, oh, nope, nope. And, you know, the stage manager, uh, Bert's back there on the headset going, okay, bro, nope, nope. He's, uh, get, get. <laughs> and I'm on stage going. Keep standing okay, by. Okay, I, I gotta, by. I gotta cover. The, I don't, I don't, I have. Where to go? Hope. Oh, yeah, no, I'm okay. okay. And then, last four throws, it's in a groove. And so now I'm going. Oh, now I can do this forever. <laughs> so now I'm going longer than it's supposed to go. And everybody, everybody's on the headset stuff going. If he can't do the trick, why is he going longer with it? <laughs> Uh, but I was all on stage, and uh, I looked at the list, you know, of the tricks we're doing in order, and they're all they're taped on the stage. We had a long roll of tape that says what it is, and I kept looking down, and you know, uh, before the show, the the guys are going, "Are you going to need water during this?" And I, I, <laughs> I think I'm going to need sustenance, like a power bar, maybe bring out a pup tent for a you know a bivouac. So when you put your 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 tour show together. There's not like a rehearsal where you do all the tricks in order in a row. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like it's in the crit you in rehearsal. It's a word the where you people practice things. When you go oh, one to the other. That was the other thing they were amazed about. Sound check is pen mumbling and saying, okay, I'll do that, I'll do that. I'm going during the sound check in Dallas. Let's run as much of this all the way through as we can. <laughs> and the whole crew's going, who, who is what? this here? And I go, it's been two years. Some of this material, I look at the name of it and I don't even recognize it. <laughs> and I've got to do eight minutes on this. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I'm going through going, uh, and they, they got a script. You know, we got a script the last time I did it. And I'm going, uh, I miss any jokes. And they're going, few, a few. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're saying stuff like, huh, it's remarkable how much you remembered. And I go, that means there's a lot of stuff I, I didn't remember, right? And they go, well, some. <laughs> but uh, no drops. No drops. Uh, no jokes missed. All the way through. Crowd went crazy. Standing ovation. Out of their minds. Uh, Randy Pitchford said, best shows he's ever seen. Nice. We pulled it out of the fire. But we, at no time, this might have been what made it better, actually. Yeah. We at no time settled into a group. <laughs> right, right, right. Every sentence was recreated in the moment. <laughs> Your acting was much better than it usually is. Much better. Much wow, better. he looks like he can barely juggle those bottles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that certainly brought a, a, a an exciting brittleness <laughs> sure. to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. not any brittleness. Because there wasn't a drop. And actually, in this case, that was actually a big surprise to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Most, most of all, me. No teller kicking you in the leg or whispering your line in your ear. No, I hit all those. I hit them all. And some of the jokes, I hadn't remembered them at all during rehearsal. They came to me during the show and they struck me funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was enjoying, I was enjoying the show. And the audience was fabulous. I mean, it was yeah. really, really hot audience. And I hadn't done, you know, the, the lucky thing. I hadn't done it with, you know, over 2,500 people. Right. So that was nuts policing a whole audience and having that happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty great. Pretty fun. And then you're also dealing with different lighting, stuff like that. You didn't lose the coin, or I guess Teller didn't lose the coin. In the Of course he did. He, he did. <laughs> when I say he no drops, say. <laughs> I didn't say no drops from Teller. <laughs> no, no drops from Penn.
Because <laughs> I remember that was one of the things you were warned about is that you go different different the theaters and you toss the coin up and all of a sudden you got a light in your eye. Yeah. 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 Well, Teller may have had that problem, but I don't think there was a light problem. I think it may have been the catching problem. <laughs> <laughs> but we got we got through, even with uh, Kurt sitting in the truck while it's being weighed. <laughs> And by doing due diligence too, like I'm going to do the right thing by you, boss. I'm going to go in for the weighing. Make sure it's there. I'm going to check all the figures, everything, (laughs) do everything right. (laughs) It reminds me of when I watch, uh, you know, uh, they did a, uh, they did on CSI Vegas, they brought back, you know, the bow-legged guy, William Peterson, and they brought back like one of the women that they could get, I guess the other ones wouldn't do it. For this big, you know, file. And we used to watch CSI Vegas. And when you watch a show, when you watch a show that's like 30 years old or 20 years old, yeah. nostalgia kicks in. Yeah. When you watch a show that's like 10 years old, yeah, it's just pure shit. <laughs> you know, because you, you remember the, the how, to, how out of fashion, the acting style, the writing style, yeah. and, the, uh, mm-hmm. and the lighting and the directing, all that is. When it's like 30 years ago, you go, that was a different world. It was a different time. But when it was like eight years ago, you go, Jesus, this is kind of now. <laughs> and they were awful. <laughs> but I also remembered, you know, at CSIs, they got microscopes and they've got DNA testing yeah, yeah. and they got all this and none of them are wearing hairnets yeah. and their hair is hanging down into it. And it just made me laugh again so much. Like, it's like Kurt in the truck. Why is that truck 150 pounds heavier? <laughs> Same thing. Huh, my DNA's on this too. Yeah. I did all these crimes. Yeah, your, your hair and your spit and everything are hanging in the <laughs> Petri dish. But yeah, I'm, I'm telling you that uh, CSI, um, time will not be kind to CSI. No. <laughs> telling you right now, time will not be kind. It looked, it looked more old and out of fashion than Mayberry RFD. <laughs> you know, big swooping shots and Vegas and neon and you know, who, who playing the music and then sweeping shots in and they go to fast action when the people are cleaning up because speeds up the action and slows it down and the cameras are all on drones and swooping in. You go, what the fuck are you guys doing? Oh my this God. is what we do. Yeah, it's what you did, and you got away with it at the time. Don't push it. Really don't push it. Big mistake. I uh, I watched, uh, my, my uh, mother-in-law was visiting, and um, she was watching Boston Legal. Oh, yeah. I love Boston Legal. And the thing is, I watched it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, and the whole episode. I mean, the, the, the A story is about this person getting fired because they are uh, uh, a transvestite and mm-hmm. dressing differently. And then the whole thing is about all the humor is derived about calling out this person for their actual gender and these kinds of things and where they can go to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything's written to be like perfectly uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and then the B story was that Shatner's character accidentally uh, got themselves on a, 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 a date with a, a little person. Mm-hmm. And so all things that came from that. So I was like, this entire episode is just <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, is it meant to be like what cannot hold up today? What absolutely is yeah. just wrong, wrong, wrong. Do not watch Pet Detective. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, Lord. oh, I know. Yeah, he's Venturi. You can't watch the whole, the end of that movie. I don't remember. I wasn't a big uh, Pet Detective fan. Uh, yeah, just the whole thing is that the, 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 the former kicker 
changes gender and joins the police force. And so all of a sudden they find out that they've all slept with the person. Ah. And it's just a, a terrible, <laughs> a series of terrible takes on that. It's a trans hate thing. Lot, yeah, it's a lot, very trans hate thing. A lot of humiliating. A lot of trans hate stuff. Like, you know, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I, I, I would, did not expect to be, I was authentically uncomfortable. So I was like, oh, I guess, I guess I am evolving a little bit with the times, even though I feel like I'm behind. I yeah, they, struggle against it as much as I can, but it's happening anyway. They may, not, <laughs> they may not have actually woken people up, but they certainly made their lives more miserable. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I'll tell you, I never enjoyed those kinds of jokes. Right. Even slightly. Yeah. The, yeah. And not because of my great trans wokeness, but because uh, I don't like people who are outsiders being made fun of by dipshits. Right. Ever. Yeah. You know? And so if you live outside the law, I immediately gravitate to you. You right. know? I, I'm, I mean, I'm a Tiny Tim fan. I'm a Sun Ra fan. I want people as far out from where they can be. You know, Gary Busey. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like people are out there and nutty. So if you are different from other people, I'm automatically on your side. So I was uh, uncomfortable with that stuff to begin with. Right. In, um, in, uh, in, in Silence of the Lambs, it was always, I, I, how come his, 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 his killing people is tied in with this other stuff that I think is pretty cool? Right. I liked him dancing around, you know, and all that stuff. I love that stuff. Right. And I thought that that we really need, but we can't do that now because it, you're not supposed to pretend it's it's strange. But I would love to see a lead character who was as crazy and as eccentric. They try to do that. You know, House tried to do that. And yeah. Monk tried to do that. For a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> No, but there is the, there is a uh, yeah, like basically a kink or fetish shaming often done by by thrillers. They often mm -hmm. add some kind of kink or sexual kink to a. Well, that's because a, you know if in the original teen teen horror movies, yeah. you know, since it's Halloween today, in the original teen horror movies, all you had to do was fuck, and the and the guy killed you right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It was the, <laughs> in all the sleepaway camps. It was the couple that went off to fuck that got sliced up yeah. first, yeah. So there's always an anti-sex, anti-weirdo point of view, you know? Speaking of weirdo point of view, I went to a show that Godot was at as well, and it was like Godot's moment in the sun, right? Uh, uh, he taught this person plate spinning, yeah. and their plate spinning act is in the show, and in the same show, the finale, the send everybody home act was jugglers. <laughs> what show was this? Good day. It was good night. We went to Opium. We went to the uh -huh. official reopening of Opium and uh, had a fine time. It was good. Now, you taught the plate spinning in there? I did. So you're like a plate spinning teacher. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's we now my gave, new career. We gave you a job. <laughs> no, no. You, you, you asked me to do something and I did it because that's what jugglers do. <laughs> you say, do you spin plates? Okay, I say, yeah, of course I do. It's hysterical. And I run home and try to learn to spin plates. <laughs> You'd like it only because it has plate spinning, but then she eventually uh, get, uh, gets naked. So I think you'd like... Naked plate spinning? Uh, She's not naked during the plate spinning, which is perhaps the only mistake in but the show. But you totally naked? Topless. Topless. Because you know, you're not naked unless I can see your asshole. That's right. And that's what I yelled during the show. Mm -hmm. I was embarrassed to be sitting next to Matt. <laughs> but not, uh, not topless plate spinning? Not topless paid spinning, although we could certainly suggest that. I can type that to her right it's now. It's leaving a lot of money on the table. It is leaving money on the table. <laughs>
<laughs> it's within the act space that she does get topless, though. Yes, she's topless. There, she plays a uh, 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 like a crazy, crazy nurse. girlfriend. Yeah. Is there a uh, is there is there a good bit with the plate spending? Is there a gag on it? Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's it's, fun. it's very comedically performed. Yeah, I think it's hysterical. We were we were, on, we were crying. My wife and I were crying, laughing. She just slaps the plates off when they start falling. <laughs> One of the balls, she gets insane and knocks them all down, which yeah. is great. Oh, really, a nice. One point, she does a quick switch for a paper plate and just tosses them, and the whole audience recoils, thinking they're about to have plates thrown at them. Which is a good bit. The old water glitter bucket. The old gag. water yeah. glitter bucket. <laughs> Still it works. That is a yep. good bit. Yep. Always, always a good bit. Always and a good bit. And I've really figured out that this is now the second time I've seen a headlining uh, juggling, uh, modern juggling act in these variety shows. And I think they figured out something that you guys didn't figure out. What was that? If you just make a fucking mess right at the top, no one cares about drops. Uh-huh. And it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's a really good tactic. It's like they just throw stuff all over the ground, yeah, and if they break, happen to drop something on the ground, it's right next to the shot. stuff that's already all over the ground. No one cares, <laughs> and there's, they have a bunch of th- backups waiting for them, and so you don't know what what's actually a drop or not in some of these acts. Hmm. I think that's true of mine. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm such an idiot, and terrible <laughs> juggler, but I really I was had to build that in anyway. <laughs> yeah, but they had all those rings. Yeah, they did a they couple of did a lot of ring juggling. And then yeah, they I know why oh, I don't like ring juggling. You know what? It was really. It I don't was mind watching. Blacklight. It. I don't mind watching. Oh no, yeah, okay. it was really like pretty. It's really pretty, and had a had a few things that I thought were really. Hurt your, nice. hurt your thumbs. And this yeah. one guy really has it where he can, he puts the rings on his head, and he's figured out how to chuck them from his from his without using his hands. He chucks. Yeah, the you know how you can do rings throw them over your shoulder by shrugging. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, the one that I used to like? There was a guy who used to do that, and it, and uh, he would shrug it part way so it would land up on his head like a halo. <laughs> oh, that's pretty. <laughs> and nice. then he would pray. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty nice. That was a nice version of that. That is a good version. That's, that's a good version. So those ring jugglers listening today go, finally, they're giving me some tips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that angel thing in my show. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, between the plate spinning act and then finish with jugglers, I was like, did Goudot write this show? That's right. They, sh- they should have hired me. <laughs> we want to put our plate spinning into the live show. I know. Yeah, that'll be I'm really excited. Nice. Can't wait to see it. That won't be heavy on the truck. <laughs> <laughs> 10 of those plates weigh 40 pounds <laughs> is it weird to go back and look through your routines by weight yeah, <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> it's welcome bizarre. to the traveling juggler world buddy i have two suitcases that are exactly 50 pounds each <laughs> i was well, hoping you would tell us that you took it all one piece at a time <laughs> <laughs> here's the wood chipper wheel <laughs> <laughs> we can get the wood chipper out without wheels <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's Kurt. We're leaving him behind. Uh, <laughs> I just picture you guys like in the uh, like the Apollo 13, you know, boardroom. You guys just in there putting all the props up and doing all the calculations and <laughs> <laughs> what can and can't make it into the truck. Yeah, I didn't really know that there were real weight issues on a truck. I guess there are. So it's just a, it's about just maximum weight within a truck for the road itself, right? Yeah, there's just like rules. You just shouldn't go across a bridge if you have like a tank on there or something, hmm. right? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It has to do with the axles, number of axles and stuff like that. I'll keep looking at you, Goodell, like you're going to know something. No. How about you? <laughs> don't you know truck, don't you know truck driving? You're a truck driving man. My dad can tell you all about this. I didn't learn any of that Shoot. stuff. I did audio. We didn't ask you. We, we didn't, didn't ask about his dad. No, no. We were asking about him. We just yeah. thought, because Reddy Rich tends to absorb information. He does. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he tells us about country 
country western line dancing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or, or strip club DJing. Well, I know about the nuclear reactor. <laughs> yeah. Don't, How many wheels? How many wheels are on that bank? 460. 460. <laughs> I went and saw that with him. It's pretty good. 460 wheels on a truck. <laughs> Go round and round. <laughs> <laughs> and round and round and round and round and round. <laughs> the electrons on the truck get... Oh, no. And they, bail on that right away. And they put a thousand wheels down so that if one falls off, you don't care. <laughs> the mess is already made. Same, same, same as that. So we were talking about you, Matt Donnelly. Uh-oh. We were talking about the Magic Castle. Yes. And we were saying you're going to play there. I am. I was telling Randy Pitchford you are going to play the Magic Castle. Oh, really? I was supposed to, yeah. Back, I was, almost was going to play Randy's Little Theater, but he was doing that before the pandemic. And then mm-hmm. that He'll start happened. up again. He'll have you there again. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. So- a while ago, I talked about playing the castle to our buddy Piff. Mm-hmm. And Piff was like, well, Teller just wrote a letter, and then they just gave me a show. Mm-hmm. I said, really? It's, that's it? He's like, that's it. And so after working with you guys for a little bit, I was like, I feel like I can ask Teller for this favor. Maybe he wants to do this. And uh, I said, Teller, do you want to write a letter on my behalf to Magic Castle? And his response was, why would I do that? They, <laughs> they hate me at the Magic Castle. <laughs> I played there. They hate me. I don't think anyone likes me over there. Did Tell us say that? Yes. Well, really? Hmm. And I said, oh, it's funny because I'm so sorry I misunderstood. I could have sworn Piff told me that you wrote a letter on his behalf and that's how he got his show at the Magic Castle. And Teller wrote back, I don't think so. And then Teller wrote back 20 minutes later, you're right. I looked at my email and I did write a letter on Teller's <laughs> behalf. And that is how I got the Magic Castle. And sure, I'll write you a letter. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, you know, tell Have her you I these airplane trays. <laughs> <laughs> tell her, uh, tell her, uh, remember, you know, remembers people hating him, but don't hate him. Yeah, exactly. That's a great, great kind of memory to have. He was like, his idea of magic. It's like, oh, they hate me there. They hate us there. They do not like us. Uh, we performed there. It was a bad idea. And we, and I don't think so. Uh, Magic Castle, by the way, loves us. <laughs> I was going to say, I went to the welcome brunch that they did for you guys after you got your star in the Walk of Fame. Yeah. They threw a huge shindig for you guys. Yeah. yeah. And the... we are uh, lifetime members, and we are like ma- magicians of the century. To I was going to say, and years ago, before I was anywhere near Magic, um, your wife gave me the owner of Magic Castle's number when I went with friends and to make sure that we didn't have to pay for anything or, or and, and do whatever. And yes, I texted, I'm remembering Liberty Larson's name. Uh, uh, Erica. Erica. I texted Erica and she took care of us and it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I know for a fact that, yeah, you guys are fine. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he notice when he goes there, he just walks in? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, your 60th birthday is at the Brooklyn. I mean, there's a lot of evidence to support that there's a lot of camaraderie <laughs> between the people at Magic Castle and you two. Well, you know what they say to me? This is not the Juggler Castle. Get out of here. <laughs> Scram. I could see this. Pat him down. Make exactly. sure there's no clubs on him. There's no Juggler Castle. You couldn't because they just break everything. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me talk to you a little bit about Blinkish. So I started at the top yeah. of the show mm-hmm. talking about that. Because Blinkist is a uh, is a great thing. It, it, it is condensed versions. Uh, I like the audio. It's also written. Yeah. Condensed versions of books that you want to read and you might not get to. You say you can't have it all, but that's totally not true. With Blinkist, you can have all the most important ideas and takeaways from the world's top nonfiction bestsellers, all in fun 15-minute reads or listens. I go with the listens. Use these Blinks to get inspiration, learn more about books you'd like to read next, 
broaden your knowledge, and get new perspective. Blinkist takes top nonfiction books, uh, like they even have you 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, Factfulness, Enlightenment Now, Enlightenment Now, all books that I read, all books that I talk about here, all books that I love, with 15-minute text and auto-explainers called Blinks. It's all the stuff you're going to remember from this. It really is. Over thousands of titles in 27 categories, plus shortcasts, which are blinks for podcasts. The podcast app gives you the knowledge you need in the time you actually have. Uh, I love Blinkist because when you're practicing juggling, you know, music will give you a tempo you don't want to use. You want to have stuff to think about while you're doing these tasks or like driving. It's fabulous. I use it in the commutes. 15 minutes, either way, it's perfect. You know, my commute's like 20 minutes, so it's not perfect, but it's close. (laughs) It's really a great way. Books are great. 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, which is the Harari book, uh, which is fabulous. Uh, Factfulness, which is one of these, you know, crazy optimism books that I agree. Enlightenment Now, which is Pinker. Mm -hmm. I love Pinker. Uh, Skin in the Game, uh, Black Liberation, all this stuff that you should be reading. Right now, Blinkist has a special office just for our audience. Go to Blinkist dot com slash pen to start your free seven day trial and get twenty five percent off of a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B L I N K I S T. Blinkist dot com slash P E N N. Get twenty five percent off and a seven day free trial. Blinkist dot com slash pen. By the way, that was your guy's best. You did a really good job Thank on that. You. I, I was in the spelling. I was really happy with that. That's probably why I went so well. <laughs> hey, Goodo. Hey, Goodo. Yeah. Hey, Goodo. Uh, huh? Hello, Fresh. Yeah. Oh, Want to yeah. talk about Hello, Fresh? I do. With a low fresh, you get fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on Hello, Fresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order on the app within minutes, easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. What have you been cooking lately on HelloFresh? Um, these I had these uh, chili pork bowls. I made them for my family. I'm trying not to eat pork right now, but mm-hmm. for them. And uh, and they were just delicious. They had uh, uh, these candied peanuts in them, which was just so good. <laughs> you had some sugar-covered peanuts into something. It turns out good food. <laughs> and, and pre-measured. Pre-measured. All which set is, to go. Super easy. big deal. I actually let my daughter or son make them, and it's the greatest thing in the world. They are so excited to have made dinner, and it turns out delicious. Have you used them, Matt Donnelly? I, uh, yeah, we did a little meal planning back in the day uh, with these guys. I liked it a lot. And then when you get the uh, vegan ones, uh, you get vegetarian, it's very, it's very easy to make them vegan. You just leave the cheese off. Yeah. That's all it ever is. Yeah, that's all it is. Leave, all the cheese, ever is. leave the butter out of it, makes it, makes it vegan instantly. And uh, it also is fast. How long does it take you, you know? Like, uh, most meals are done in 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Mm. Pretty fast. And a lot of the chopping and stuff is done for you. It's really... That's the part I like a lot. It's so good. And you would think that it would be less, uh, less uh, conscientious you know, than going to a grocery store. With the less weight, yeah, waste, no waste, yeah. and the way they uh, send it to you, it actually ends up being ecologically uh, mm-hmm. fairly sound. And the meals are beautiful. The The recipe cards are nice. Really, Everything yeah, about it is All the really, art direction is nice. It's, it's really beautiful. It's a very nice experience. I, I We've done it a few times. Yeah, it's good. I, I really, really like it. Uh, go to hellofresh.com slash 
PSS14 and use code PSS14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Now, don't cheat and do PSS15. See what you can get. (laughs) PSS14. PSS14. Three free gifts. The three is not mentioned in the PSS14, but it is there. Uh, HelloFresh.com slash P. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. PSS14. PSS14. It's a really, really good deal. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Uh, we love HelloFresh. Really, they've been, also been with us for a while. For a while, and they're always delicious. Always really, really delicious. So you excited about the Magic Castle? I am, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a call from uh, Jack Goldfinger, runs the uh, entertainment over there. Mm-hmm. And he said, I got your letter from Teller. And I want to <laughs> know. fucker. Whether you want to <laughs> <Just> blackmail. <laughs> whether you want to get this gig because of nepotism or because of talent. Did he say that to yes. you? Yes. What a great thing to say. I know. And you immediately said nepotism. nepotism. <laughs> see you see on Monday. <laughs> I said, talent? All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. I think you should be on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like, gee, Scoop. I think like talent, Mr. Goldfinger. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Right, Ruffy. <laughs> so he was like, uh, I need to see, uh, I want to, basically I was, he goes, I want to see everything that you would do. I don't think of this as an audition, uh, uh, but I just want to know your act. And that's going to be longer than so 15 minutes. So I can steal 20. parts of it. So I can, so I can <laughs> sell it to Genie Magazine. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, uh, and that's when I was like, oh, I don't have like. I'm good- act. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, why nepotism was my first choice. <laughs> Google act. <laughs> oh shoot! I don't have one of those. No, uh, I I I'd cobbled together pieces of different shows, like to kind of like make a a retrospective of what I think I would do for an act, and showed it to Teller, and Teller said, "Do not send that." <laughs> I said, "Okay." And that's when my uh, my friend Brian Brushwood mm-hmm. was talking to him about it because he had played the castle, and that's when he said, "I have a YouTube studio," and we both were talking about how friends and family sucks. Yeah, and so he's like, "I will supply the audience. You come to Austin." I will film it and we'll, and we'll get it together. So that's when I went to Austin and filmed it and put the act together. And it was great to actually just work on 20 minutes and just make that 20 minutes as, as tight and sharp as I can. And it was nice. So yes, I sent that along and then I got booked for December 6th through the 12th. Based on nepotism. Based on nepotism. Yeah. I make no mistake about it. This is not last time I tried to tell a story on air where I kind of felt like I earned a little bit of something. I literally got a manifesto about how I did not from one listener when Good. I got into director's cut when I got the role of the yeah, cop yeah, in director's yeah. cut <laughs> I got this manifesto from someone being like stop pretending like you've earned a single thing in your life <laughs> <laughs> was it from one of your brothers <laughs> <laughs> but that is just isn't that a letter you could just send to anybody <laughs> anybody like Tom Cruise right. just send that to him yeah yeah. Oh, I mean, the dumbest, that, that's the whole thing. I, I said a friend, he goes, he goes, that must feel great. I go, well, yeah, but it started with a letter from Teller. And he goes, 
yeah, but we're old enough to know, know that's how everyone gets everything. <laughs> he's like, this whole thing that we did in our 20s, he's the guy I did improv with back in the day, he goes, the whole thing we did in our 20s where we thought art should be merit-based was stupid. And just, <laughs> just go get the things you want to go get. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So that's what, that's what here I am. <laughs> and uh, how are your shows going over for the three people on Fremont Street? <laughs> Not as well. You didn't want to film one of those? (laughs) I didn't film one of those. Uh, I was doing doing my fourth show, uh, and when I I officially found out that Cirque du Soleil was not going to call me back. So you'd you'd crossed a dozen people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So now I was really cooking. And uh, uh, I found out 20 minutes before I hit the stage that Cirque du Soleil was like, it was a real, it was stupid of us to bring you in, and we're not going to do it. Oh, they, they said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did they say that to you? They were nicer about it, but I interpreted it as that. Uh. <laughs> they thought it over and they're going to go in a different direction. Uh. We were thinking about going with someone who's talented and not with someone who has a letter from talent. No, that's not how Cirque works. <laughs> I, I just wrote back. They got a letter from somebody else, from Guy. Yeah. And then so you're out. They were, oh, yeah. Guy wrote a letter saying, not Matt. <laughs> you think about doing what with who no <laughs> this, this is the entire country of french canada says no <laughs> country of french canada <laughs> and i didn't want the gig anyway but i was crabby about it anyway because i'm still rejected it's like uh, i didn't even ask you out well we still broke up <laughs> all right fine <laughs> <laughs> so i was crabby and then i was uh i was starting my show in front of a modest amount of people and um, uh, I, I was picking in the dark. I was picking on these two guys. Um, <laughs> it's a heavy the, career day because they weren't drinking, and they said they didn't <laughs> like baseball. And so I was like, they're just Mormons in the corner. So I was making them my my, my gay Mormon couple in the corner. And then the lights came up, and one of those people was Fielding West, <laughs> who who could have written a letter to you for the Magic Castle. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Probably could have got me to Cirque du Soleil. (laughs) And I was not prepared to do a show in front of a very accomplished comedic magician, Fielding West. Mm -hmm. And and so I began to sweat uh, a lot and fumble my words a lot and did probably, I said the worst show since my very first show, which you were at, Mm -hmm. uh, where I cut my finger open and bled all over audience members myself and did three of my seven tricks correctly. And that's where Piff had the great comment. Yeah. We, we watched Matt's first show he's ever done. It finished, and Piff walked up to me and said, magic is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I saw his second show, and it went well. Uh. <laughs> and uh, my friend Jacob was at that same show, said, I think this was worse than the show you did in front of, <laughs> in front of Piff and everybody back in the day. I was like, okay, good. I'm glad it was worse than that. Uh, feeling to his credit came afterward was complimentary and then only wanted to know there's only one thing I did in the show they didn't know how it worked so he just immediately demanded to know how that thing worked and then I showed him and he was like okay cool (laughs) he was like show me those envelopes you were using for bank net I was like oh okay here (laughs) wow so that was your horrible show it was yeah because well yeah because it was bad because I'm good at suffering as a, I'm good at suffering and wallowing in failure with the lights on me. Right. Mm-hmm. I've, a life of improv and everything else. Right. So my, like I said, my friend definitely said it was the worst show I'd ever done. And two people try to stand up and give me a standing ovation at the end. Mm-hmm. It was a, so, so, so as a comedically, some people, some people really enjoyed the show mm-hmm. for me, I kept thinking like, gosh, 
I messed up this one sideways on me. You know, those were the words you thought. Gosh, this went sideways on me. <laughs> Matt, you fucking asshole! <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up something that has been on rails for you for two years, <laughs> and now you're going to try to recover with your experimental thing that you wedged in the middle. Of <laughs> you rely on, and thinking I was going to turn it around. So I kept. The, I think what made it worse was I kept thinking I was going to. At least in the first show, where things were fucking up, I just was, I'm just a guy swimming in whatever the hell I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. This one, I was like, okay, I, I can really build up the turn on this trick and get the audience back. And that wasn't Both happening. of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, well, one of them, actually. You thought it was two, you know, but it was only fielding. You probably do that faster. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm my next trick, I'm going to hand you all five bucks. This guy's great. <laughs> wow. This show just went way up. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I had three tricks go not, not the way they're supposed to. You know, when we were starting out, I would do that. Sometimes I'd ask somebody uh, from the audience to do something and they would say no, because you get that yeah. before you're well known. I'd give them 20 bucks. <laughs> Here you go. Do it. <laughs> when I first came to Vegas, I, I went and saw Wayne Newton do a show. Yeah. And the crowd hated Wayne Newton. <laughs> it was oh my God. just, the, you know, no one it was, was like happy. The, it was like the crowd was the magic castle and Wayne Newton was teller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very close. <laughs> and Wayne Newton stood on stage, which felt to me, like with his pants off and smiling and thanking them for being the best crowd in the world. And it worked. They just bought into it. Yeah. After a while, they were like, we are the best crowd in the world, aren't we? All right. This that, is That doesn't work with my trick work, though. <laughs> like, see? Ta-da! But what I've discovered <laughs> since then is that if the crowd is terrible, it's really fun to pretend you're killing. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It's a really nice moment to smile and let the horror wash over yeah. you and just pretend that it is making you powerful. And it oh, is I mean, funny uh, and fun. It's I took, a great uh, thing. I took Debbie Harry mm. on a date to see Wayne Newton. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes a, you don't do things where, like, if the, if, the, if the beginning line can be just as funny as the punchline. You just did that. You did that. You just took that challenge on right now. So we were sitting, seeing uh, Wayne Newton and sitting there, you know, and he's doing his show. And yeah. And he's, you know, Mr. Las Vegas. We're enjoying the show. This is in the 90s. Yeah. And at that point, Wayne Newton reached over to the piano and picked up a little card, like a business card side thing, and then said, you know, there's no greater compliment in the world in entertainment that when hardworking entertainers on their night off come to see your show. And we have a couple people in the audience tonight that I really want to introduce you to because they've taken their time off and come to see me. And, of course, I get excited because who's in the crowd? <laughs> Which I still oh, nice. have not gotten over. Every time they introduce to the crowd, I always get really excited. Who's here? <laughs> I'm always looking around expectedly. And... um he said, uh, with his partner, tell her. And I went, oh, no, it's nobody good. <laughs> with his partner, tell her, you know, one of the greatest magicians of all time, ladies and gentlemen, Pendulant. And I stood up and waved. And then he said, and the queen of disco, 
<laughs> the queen of disco. Oh, no. There are two words in that sentence that you might be able to slip by, Debbie Harry, and those would be the and of. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie is not a disco star. No. no. Does not consider herself a disco star. No. However, Heart of Glass was a disco hit. Yeah. But it was a disco hit done by a punk band. That was what was beautiful about it, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit of a, maybe more than a little bit of a wink. Yeah. In, in Heart of Glass, right? So when he says Queen of Disco, Debbie Harry, Debbie Harry goes, fuck him. So then I'm in the position of trying to get Debbie to stand oh, up. No. <laughs> trying to get her. I said, Debbie, it's just Debbie. Just stand Debbie, up. Just stand just, up. Just, just Debbie. And Debbie kind of goes, ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then she finally smiles oh. and then sits down and goes, Queen of Disco, that fucker. It's good that she didn't decide that you sent that back to him. Well, yeah. <laughs> well the fact that I'm sitting here. It's like the proof that uh, that this universe is proper for humans is the fact that we know about it. Right. Yeah. The fact that you can hear that story shows that she didn't believe. Otherwise, I would have been killed <laughs> in the audience. Right. <laughs> wow. Do you, you guys don't really do too much recognizing so-and-sos in the audience with us here tonight. No, I don't. Although I did, we were playing, uh, the theater we were playing is where Hamilton's coming in. Mm -hmm. And I said... Uh, when I was doing the broken bottle juggling, I said, you guys do me a favor. When uh, Hamilton comes here with uh, Lynn Manuel with his hyphen in the wrong place, I said, <laughs> when, he, when he comes here, uh, I want you all, a few of you that are going to come see that show too, to scream out, juggle broken bottles, Ped did it. <laughs> if your show's so great, juggle broken bottles. <laughs> so I did reference that. I also said a thing to, about Randy Pitchford. I said, you know, Randy, you juggle a little bit. You know how hard this is. Because uh, Randy Pitchford had bought tickets for everybody he knows in Dallas. You yeah. know? He, he wanted, to invite, wanted to invite a lot of you know, his coworkers. Yeah. He, uh, you know, from Gearbox, people were there. Mm -hmm. And there were people there that had worked on our VR game that had never seen our live show. Oh. So these are guys. We did the Cups and Balls kind of specifically for that because they were guys who had worked on the electronic version of the Cups and Balls for months and had never seen us do it live. Oh, that's pretty great. Wow. It was pretty great. It was pretty great, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, Queen of Disco, Debbie Harry introduced. <laughs> Those things can go south. You want to be careful introducing Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're out with your kids, you don't want to be introduced, right? You're there with your family, you know. Oh, I, I never mind it. I'm always kind of flattered. As long as you know that, it, that at least one and maybe many more will be very disappointed when you do Spendulette in the audience. <laughs> you won't get the applause you think you're going to get. Yeah, right. Because I'm going to be really disappointed. And the bigger you build up, the more disappointed I'm going to be. When we saw David Allen Coe and Tell and I were in the audience, and he said, we have two friends here tonight. And I was out of my mind excited. And I leaned over to Teller and said, maybe Willie's here. I wonder if Willie's <laughs> And he said, these are really two really good friends of mine, giants in the entertainment business. I said, it's Willie. <laughs> Willie's here. And I'm looking around. I'm telling Teller it's Willie. And Teller's looking at me like I'm crazy. Because <laughs> Teller, Teller already kind of caught on two people in the audience tonight. It's going to be us. And I am <laughs> ripping my head around 
looking really, really excited. And people are whipping their heads around looking at me. And I'm trying to see if they're Willie Nelson. Because <laughs> I was sure Willie Nelson was in the audience. And then he goes, the two of the greatest magicians in the world. And I go, oh, shit. <laughs> shit. Willie doesn't do magic. <laughs> it's somebody else. Oh, damn. Damn. Maybe we can get Dwight Yoakam. No, it's not. It's me. God damn it. And I stand up and smile oh, and wave with deep, deep disappointment. <laughs> I've been to a few shows where they were introducing someone and they were at the bathroom. It seems like it happens a pretty high percentage of the time, <laughs> which is a weird moment. I think it's no. I think it's a proper reading of the show, right? We're going into a little bit of a lull in the momentum of this show. Right. It's a good time to just all of a sudden sh throw some throw some light around the room. It's also that's a really good time to go to the bathroom <laughs> or get a drink. So <laughs> <laughs> you're saying it's not coincidental? No, everyone's reading the same moment. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> different activity. <laughs> uh, we had it happen once with uh, uh, Lance was introducing Yakov Smirnov. <laughs> In Russia, Yakov Smirnov introduced you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lance runs through the interests. Then in the audience today, we have the wonderful comedian Yakov Smirnov. Stand up, Yakov. Stand up, Yakov. <laughs> And I'm in the wings because it's Bows, and I yelled, I never liked him. <laughs> and Lance goes, yeah, that guy is. And then you hear very distinctly, I'm over here. <laughs> and just that, Yakov has the perfect voice for that. Yeah. I'm defeated. over here. There was no question in anybody's mind that we had just not seen Yakov. <laughs> never liked him. Yeah, me neither. I, I'm over here. <laughs> You know, uh, 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 Amazing Jonathan yeah. used to do this bit where he'd say, David Copperfield's in the audience tonight. Uh, he would do this whole thing, building up David Copperfield. Yeah. And then when the audience would applaud like crazy, he would bust them, going, you were really excited about Copperfield, more excited than me. Fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. But I, I don't I don't think I've ever introduced someone in the audience, but I will talk to them. I'll refer to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind you of ever hip, thought of I using think. it the way you guys remember when you uh you I don't remember which oh the uh the, the Peking duck with the gorilla and the symbols. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You ever thought of using Copperfield instead of the Peking duck instead of the gorilla? <laughs> we have a great uh, right in the back way back there david copperfield stand up and wave david oh, that's a funny idea that's that is a, a good idea that'll work good that's a funny idea <laughs> really good. so you'll be the magic castle yes big deal big deal. yeah and uh you i've also got a note here you wanted to say something about your son having a vegan moment <laughs> yeah yeah so my mother was in town mm -hmm. so she went we went to go out to this uh good seafood restaurant for her mm -hmm. uh and um it had a lobster tank. Ah. And so, you know, we're just eating our dinner or whatever, and all of a sudden, uh, I look over at my son, and he is fuming angry. It was already a lot to get him dressed and out to dinner already, so we, we were already having a night. So I just thought this was just another phase of this prior discussion. I said, what's wrong? He's like, I just watched one of the chefs back there grab a lobster out of the tank to cook him. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
you did. And he's like, that is awful. And I said, yeah, it is. It's <laughs> like, you know, when, you, when mom and I are home, we say we eat vegan. This is what we're talking about. And he, he was like, really? And so he's just, he does. He starts going through all the food he eats. And we start talking about what is and isn't, isn't vegan. And then uh, the next night we made uh, Beyond Burgers. And I cut one in half to make it nice and thin because he likes, uh, likes the In-N-Out burger. Mm-hmm. So I make him an In-N-Out version, a totally vegan In-N-Out ver- burger. And he ate it and he liked it. There you go. And and he is like, now he's talking all the time. But I was like, <laughs> he was fuming anger. And I, and I was like, yeah, I, I guess it, this is the time for me to tell you that, you know, I guess humans can be carnivores or whatever. But I was like, if you want to go this way, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's yeah. go. Well, I'll tell you, you know, um, um, lobster tanks yeah. will not be looked upon kindly in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird thing. People say, really? <laughs> really? You had, they, they showed you the animal, then you killed it in front of you? Yeah. Oh, gee, what was wrong with you people? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember uh, down on Fremont Street when I first moved here in 2008, there was a uh, restaurant on uh, Fremont that had, it was like a, a lobster tank, but like like one of those um, toy grab claw yeah, things. Yeah, claw machine. Yeah, yeah the claw machine. Japan, yeah. Yeah. So we, we were there and all of a sudden we were like, oh, can you really win a lobster? And we start putting money into the thing. And the bartender just starts screaming like, stop, stop, stop. And we're like, what? It's like, the kitchen is closed. That thing's locked. And all you do is just take a lobster and put him into that spot and kill him. Ah. Stop trying to win a lobster. And we're like, oh, that's awful. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We're done. We're done. <laughs> I saw one in Japan on a street. Yeah. And I was just like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's going to pick up that, drop it into the slot. That lobster's going to come jumping out into the street. <laughs> you going to carry it home? What are you going to? I know. <laughs> it's so yeah. horrifying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is weird. It's a weird thing. that That's the one that we, we watched that close for that. Um, when I was in Taiwan the first time in the early 80s, they had cages outside with snakes and yeah. all sorts of animals that they would kill right then. And yeah. it was hard. Yeah. Well, for a while, there was a thing. I don't know if you still do. There was like a lobster gram. Where you sent the lobster to somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, all of this stuff, you know, yeah. all the stuff we're talking about pales in the face of factory farming. Right. Uh, yes. I mean, well, we're not there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, if you, uh, they won't even let film crews it, in. Yeah. It's against it's so the law. It's a law to document, <laughs> document what yeah. happens at a thing. What? crazy world are we living in where that's okay yeah that's like gerrymandering that's just we should never have either of these things ever have showed up yeah yeah never it's never. really weird and yeah. gross and then you would say boy lobster tanks are really humane compared Good to for them yeah <laughs> plenty of room and yeah, yeah. they much better they clean the better. feces out of there look yeah, at them go they're not living in their own shit that's really good <laughs> they're not separated from their young uh, yeah yeah so how's your neighborhood chat there good well I stay away from all that stuff. I'm scared. Of you know what? I I, thought, <laughs> I only I only track mine because I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought I would get on, and there would be old ladies saying, "I need some help carrying something into my garage." Mm-hmm. I'll go. That'll be great. I will be able to volunteer and help my stupid neighbors. But <laughs> turns out, my weak armed neighbors. Weak armed. I'm happy to help my weak armed neighbors. But it turns out everything on it is. I, I saw a coyote. Watch out. <laughs> It's 300 times a day. Coyote, coyote alert. Coyote alert. Get your pets inside. Those rotten coyotes. Yeah, according to the, according to the Nextdoor app, 
There, there's never been more coyotes out to kill everything that we know about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't fall. The coyotes will get you. Look, here's a photo <laughs> of a coyote. Well, that that that's always been something that's been bugging me. But a, last week, a little after 6 a.m., there's just this huge commotion outside the back of my house, like uh, ex explosion. Sounds like a gunfight. Mm -hmm. You know, I bolt up in bed and look out the window and I can see that it is fireworks. Someone has set off one of those whole boxes of mm -hmm. fireworks, you know, and it's like 15, 16 shots, all shooting sparks out. Six in the morning, waking up everybody in the damn neighborhood. It's crazy. It's crazy. Right. So later that day, I go and I look on the on on the app and there's people talking about this. And there's uh, uh, one lady says, my husband is uh is is a gun expert and he heard that noise and says that was guns <laughs> and then below that is someone apparently one of my neighbors who says i looked out my windows it was fireworks i could see it was fireworks and then there were 300 people all debating what it was <laughs> <laughs> no no my husband's an expert he knows this was guns it's 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 a what's going on <laughs> Jonathan Rouse tried to answer this last week, but this is this is the perfect example of it. It is there is no question. Your neighbor saw the fireworks going off, and you are still arguing about whether it's gunshots or not because your opinion matters more than the eyewitness account of the people who saw what's going on. I, I, I it's insanity. I will say that. Kill uh, me. It was awful. Makes me makes me question me, the coyotes. Exactly. <laughs> I bet those are just dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, a friend of mine was on the next door half. He talked about Jonathan Rausch talking about uh, well, there still can be rules and experts who who, who help. You know, and uh, the same thing. Next door app, uh, police activity, trying to find uh, a guy who shot a gun, and then all of a sudden, everyone reporting all this activity of where the police are and where they're looking for him, <laughs> and the police saying this doesn't help us at all. <laughs> we're trying to find a guy with a gun and if this guy who lives in this neighborhood has this app you're helping a guy elude the police <laughs> can you please stop posting about this on the app there they go <laughs> they're sneaking up on him now <laughs> he's looking over the fence to the left they're coming up on the fence to the right <laughs> It's, it's amazing. I stay away. What an amazing, yeah. I, I have to now. I can't go back on. I want to, I'm not even going to go back on and look and see what happened, how this resolved itself. It's, it's overwhelming. How can we fix, there's no way to fix this. We can't possibly fix this. If the neighborhood app can't accept the word of your neighbor seeing something in person, how are we ever going to resolve political differences? <laughs> that was Ben Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. Yeah, lobster tanks, boy. You try to spin them, you know. I start telling my children say, look at the lobsters. Aren't they fun to watch? Uh, <laughs> talk about the auctions at all. 
Oh, yeah, we have Thank to talk about to talk about for the next show. Good. <laughs> you know, we love you. Oh, yeah, we do. Hey, Matt, you got someone to thank? I do. These uh, these people, I got some great people here. You're just looking looking around like Willie Nelson might be in the audience. I know, I am. <laughs> By the way, Rod Serling wrote about your online chat with the Monsters Are Due on Maple Street all the way back. Right, exactly. Sure, sure, sure. I want to thank the following people who, without uh, access to a nosy neighbor app, would have no idea if people were cleaning up after their own dogs. Sax guy Jimmy D, Henry James Allison, Nathan Goulian, Percival, Manuel Vidal Perez de la Mesa, Laura Champagne, let me buy you vegan concha in Dallas when you visit. Yep, you missed that one. Yep. I did miss that. Damn. Damn. Petty Officer Scoop, uh, Daniel, Terrible Jokes Will Resume When I'm Back Off Tour, Love You All, Rando Admiral, David K, David Peters, Shane Brevik, Blue Drinks Films, Brandon Knapp, Nick Dingman, Colin Durham, Big Scuba Podcast, The Big Scuba Podcast, Christina, Bobby Mack, Warren Scott, Central Park Al, Lancey Minshew, Stephen White, and Harlan Liam Clark. Thank you.